Welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown on this sunny Friday afternoon. We're coming to you a little later in the week because, as I mentioned on our Twitter feed, if you missed it, we recorded an interview with Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast. That's going to be released over the next couple of weeks when the football season actually calms down. So basically what we did was we spoke to Kieran about where Celtic are at financially, where Rangers are at financially, where Scottish football is in the world of football and sort of is it positive or negative for Celtic going forward and is it positive or negative for Rangers going forward where they at is the sort of messaging that we're hearing from the other side of Glasgow with the shares and the board members leaving does any of that actually matter that's all covered with Kieran and we're going to be releasing that podcast over the next couple of weeks probably after the Scottish Cup final I would imagine but we decided to hop on and record another podcast for the week because there was a midweek game this week against Hibernian, and it ended 4-2 to Hibernian. So that is another game since Celtic has won the, the trophy that they have not won. And I think fans are fairly angry. Um, guys, Juco James, you're with me as always, as is Alan Morrison, Celtic Fan Numbers. Alan, I'll throw this to you because you weren't on last week's show. I mean, last week's general vibe between me and James was... I can see why people are angry, but I don't really care that much because they've already won two trophies this season and are going for a third next week. So where do you stand in all of this? It's obviously frustrating, you know, losing games to the team winning. And, and it's it's a bit jarring when the performances have been so consistent to then see performances not as consistent. But on the other hand, you know, as per your point last week about players not playing together before, there's a point well made, uh, asking players to prove something that they've already proven, they've, they've achieved the goal of winning the league, they're not going to feel they need to do it again. And then, you know, the third element of these all these teams, you know, in this in the structure of the, the split in Scotland, is that one of the really positive aspects of that is it often leaves all the teams, you know, with a lot to play for late and deep into the season. And we've seen that this season. And especially with the European qualifications expanding thanks to the conference, Europa Conference League, it means there's some European um, places up for grabs. And, you know, the £4 million estimate that clubs will make from being in the Europa League group stages is, is transformational for every club in the league. So these are big, big incentives for teams to... Uh, to, to, to press on to the end of the season and Celtic players just simply don't have that. Now, of course, they're professional and of course they're trying, but, you know, it doesn't take much of a dip in intensity, you know, one or two percent, if you want to put it in those terms, for it to make a big difference on, on the field. And I think that's what we're seeing. And should we be worried? Well, history suggests not, because you know, this kind of drop off is is absolutely with, with precedent. I mean, I look back to the um, basically this century when Martin O'Neill took over and, you know, his team blasted their way through the league in his first season. Apart from the 5-1 game at Ibrox, it was their only loss in the season. And then once the title was won, they lost the next two games to Dundee and Kilmarnock. Um, they then had a Scottish Cup final to win, which they did uh, perfectly successfully. I could go on and on. There's, there's many, 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 many um, seasons where we've seen this. We've seen it um, in, in Gordon Strachan's first season as well, where there was a, a very dominant league campaign. Uh, and they and they would really go on to win only you know uh, I think one or two of their last of the last league, six league games, uh, including getting thumped three 0 at Tynecastle. Um, the two thousand six two thousand seven season was was very was very similar. Um, so you know there are in 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 Lennon's twenty twelve thirteen campaign. Um, you know we lost one, drew one of our last four matches post the wrap up, but comfortably won the Scottish Cup. 
against uh, against Hibernian, and and there are more more seasons, uh, you know, that, that we can go that we can we can uh, use as examples for this. But there's the, the number of seasons where Celtic have done this. They've then had disappointing results post the uh, the title being wrapped up, but they've generally gone on to win the Scottish Cup at the end of it when it's been up for grabs. So I fully expect you know focus to be realigned. Um, you know, from this weekend, uh, when it will be clear to the players that, you know, that they're playing for a, a starting spot in the in the cup final team, that obviously, you know, a cup final will will take care of itself. So it's disappointing, um, but I'm, I'm not. I can't honestly say I'm massively hung up about it. In all honesty, mm. I don't want to compare these two things because they're not the same thing. But just uh, bear with me because it's a good insight into how motivation can work. And that is when I did the marathon. So I was training for about 20 weeks or so every single day, bar one for 20 weeks straight. Didn't miss a run, didn't miss a a training really over the course of it. Did the marathon. Since I've done that, I Look at could you. not falling give, apart. I, I could not give a shit about training. I could not give a shit. I don't want to go out and run. I don't you know you know what I mean? So it's it's not that you know, I haven't I, I still do a run. I still I still go out for my runs are shorter now and I'm probably not putting as much emphasis on what I eat around them and things like that. But ultimately my goal was to train for the marathon, complete the marathon. I've done that now, and suddenly my motivation for doing that sort of training is gone. So it's it's not the same as that for Celtic because they're getting paid to do what they're doing and they're professional footballers and and, and so on and so forth. But it's similar enough. Like they they their aim was to win the league, win the League Cup, and their current aim now is to win the Scottish Cup. So the league is fairly irrelevant at this point. But James, I guess what people are angry about, and if we go to the other side of the story, is probably the manner of these performances. It just it literally does look like they don't care. I, and I think that's where you start to lose a little bit of good faith with fans. I think that it's probably something in between, um, meaning that I think that some of the narratives they get accumulated um, over a season uh, start to crumble a bit, and then people look for assigning blame. And that's I agree with everything that Alan said. We talked about it last week, and uh, I don't get too worked up over this either. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing to garner from these games, meaning that you do see, you know, as, as Alan suggested um, before we went live, you know, some, some issues around toxic combinations of, of uh, players that aren't great at, um, you know, uh, precision passing, so to speak. Um, positional issues that we've talked about with Bernabe, uh, Kobayashi's issues in the air, not that surprising. Um, so you see some of the stuff that gets manifested in some of these games and it's not so much that you say, Oh, you know, this is the end of the world, but I think it does prick a bit of a bubble in the narrative about the degree with which recruitment has been great. And this is something I've talked about really for the last two seasons is that, um, I've, I've thought that recruitment has been improved from what had been incoherent, (laughs) Uh, to coherence, but that the quality of players being signed was probably being overinflated a bit uh, relative to the narrative. And that, you know, a lot of the, um, 
dominance that we were having domestically had to do with with the the kind of relative matchup in in um Ange ball so to speak and the the difficulty that domestic opposition was having uh to adjust to it and they've adjusted to it to a degree we've talked about that all season relative to the the saint mirrorization of uh, opposition um so I, I think what you're seeing is some of this you know not great recruitment manifesting a de- to a degree um in some of these games on the margin and again it's all of these issues about intensity and you know we talked about it last weekend about you know the uh Ange has a reputation of running training very hard and you know, almost like a Bielsa um, culture in that way. And it, you throw that into the mix that these guys have been working their ass off, not only in games, playing a very challenging physical style of play, but also in training every day. And now you take away the carrot that, hey, they've kind of, you know, the, the, the end of marathon aspect. And, you know, um, on the margins, as Alan said, that one, two percent, all of this makes kind of natural sense. I think that part of the kind of outlandish response in some aspects of the support is because I think there was an expectation or a belief, a narrative that a lot of these players were maybe better than they are. Um, and that when you take that one or two percent away and you put a, a few of them together, all of a sudden you kind of get a really ugly game. And that's we, we've had a couple of them now. Um where some individual performances have been pretty stinko. Um, yeah, well, so I think- I'll just I'll just I'll just chuck in that you know, Andrew Ball, when Andrew Ball's not done well, it can be pretty brutal, right? Yeah, yeah. like like we've easy. seen in Europe. I mean, at, we're getting yeah, some of the games. It's not in easy. Yep. It's not easy. It's not easy. The, you know, the pressing, the triggering of presses has to be highly coordinated. The passing has to be sharp and slick. Um, the movement has to be good. Now, these are all the things that's just decrease a little bit when you're not having to absolutely kill yourself. And Ange Ball done badly can look really ugly. Mm. Well, I think that's manifesting in the defense more than anywhere else because, you know, we're playing currently playing three sort of squad players are starting in the defense at the minute. And Celtic have conceded 34 goals this season and nine of them have come in the last three games where we've been playing that defense so I think that's probably the best indicator of who is the best defenders in the team or who are the best uh, players in a combination in the team and that is Cameron Carter-Vickers with Starfelt AJ and Greg Taylor it's not the current one maybe Kobayashi might fight for Starfelt's place next year but at the minute he's not impressing enough to do that so I mean I, I still will maintain that I will give Kobayashi, Awada and O loads of time to come into this team and actually further develop themselves because, I mean, look at Maeda and the development he made, Hatate as well, and then Kyogo. Well, Kyogo's just been good from the start, but, you know, you got to give these time players time to bet in. Now, Bernabe, I think, is a different case because he's had his time to bet in and he hasn't. Um, so I think I would be a little less patient with him if he doesn't push for a place next season then he's probably not good enough because he didn't do it this season um, can, can I change course though uh, to from the game to the news of the last couple of weeks or the last couple of days especially and that is that Ange Postacoglu could be in contention for the Tottenham Hotspur job so this all came after Arnie Slot, who was supposed to take over Tottenham Seemed to be all agreed, and then that fell apart. 
I think that's like manager number six now who have rejected uh, Tottenham at this point. And then the news broke that Ange Postacoglu was the first choice manager now um, that Daniel Levy wanted to bring to the club. This has developed over the last couple of days. It's now looking a little bit like maybe Brendan Rodgers, also former Celtic, could be the the other name in contentious for this. But uh, Andrew was speaking to Sky Sports today, and he was asked about it. So I just want to play this audio for you from uh, Sky Sports. And then we can, like we are pop psychologists, we're going to dissect in depth his body language, his, his use of words, and things like that. So uh, this is Ange speaking on Sky Sports earlier. Feels like at least once a month we ask you about speculation linking you with English Premier League jobs. There does seem to be a lot of speculation, certainly about Spurs this morning. How much has that come on to your radar? And yet I'm still here. Yeah, um, it doesn't. I think anyone who, who knows me and, and I've been asked about these kind of things plenty of times know that I. What's important for me is the here and now. You know, um, I've never planned anything in my football career. Um, my ambitions right now are to enjoy tomorrow, have a good game and then try and win a cup final and make it a special year. It's not every year you get a, the opportunity to win a treble um, and uh, if anyone thinks I'm thinking anything other than that, uh, they don't know me. Yeah, I suppose these things ultimately are a compliment, although it might be a distraction at times. Do you get quiet moments in the season where you, you think about your ambitions and what you've still got left to achieve here? No, because I know that's not how football works. You, know? you, you can't as a manager sort of try and chart a course for yourself to be in a certain position at a certain time. It, you know, it, the one thing I do know for a certain 100% is that if you're not concentrating on the task at hand, your destiny gets taken out of your own hands. And, uh, you know, I've worked really hard in my career not to be in that position. And, and the way I've done that is to make sure that beyond what happens this week and, and you know, like I said, we've got a couple of big games, I'm not going to think about anything else other than that. And, um, you know, whatever happens in my career from here onward will happen because I'm doing what I do really well. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned that special bond with the fans. What, what would you say to any Celtic fans who are unsettled or, or worried that, that that temptation comes along? Again, I've said before, I think what the Celtic fans want is their manager to be concentrating on what's important for them now. Um, I'd hate to think that our, you know, our supporters want me thinking about anything else other than you know having a great game tomorrow, having a great day, and then winning a cup final and making it um, you know a treble, which... We'll make it a special year. I think that's where they want my responsibility to lay. So that was Ange Postacoglu speaking on Sky Sports earlier. Um, James, most of the comments under that post when Sky Sports put it up on their Twitter was, he didn't say he's not leaving. Yeah, again, as you said, this is pop psychologist, but um, I would say if I was going to rate that between a guy who's definitely not going and a guy who is at least in the process of thinking about it seriously, I'd, I'd shade it significantly towards the latter. <laughs> um, unfortunately, meaning that, you know, we talked about uh, not that long ago about the, the pop psychology about his answer about his kids a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, so th- this has me swinging back towards the, um, the idea that the, he's a really ambitious 56 year old that doesn't have a, you know, he's got more of his career behind him than he does in the front of him. Um, so, and in the grand, you know, this is not Everton or Leeds, you know, Tottenham would be, and, and Tottenham's a bit of a mess uh, from a football operations perspective. 
which again fits with his kind of um, profile of looking for control theoretically. And, you know, if they were going to offer him that kind of control, um, you know, they're going to have enough money that if he makes a real difference, you know, they're not a top, top budget, but they're going to have enough that, you know, he, he would have um, enough resources to given the way he wants to do things that I think I could see it being appealing to him. Um, if he got the kind of assurances that, that, um, I would think he'd be looking for. So, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think this is one of those situations where, uh, smoke could be fire, unfortunately. Um, and I, I saw, I think it was Roger Mitchell, uh, tweeted out the bookie odds. And I think Ange had moved to the top, not that that means anything, but you know, maybe it's a Rangers fans conspiracy trying to get us all to have a heart attack this weekend and ruin our, our cup final coming up. <laughs> I suspect not. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It, it... Given the given some of the reporting, I think the links are definitely there. Now, to me, Ange sounds like someone who is definitely talking or willing to talk, if not already talking. Uh, to the club that doesn't mean he's going to go that just means I mean like I said Spurs have tried at least four other people at the minute Arnie Slot was supposed to take it and he didn't take it there is a reason they're not doing that Ange has been very careful in his selection of clubs and I think that is probably the only thing that's stopping me from thinking he might stay at Celtic and not go to Spurs because if Spurs were not in as much of a mess as they are and have the basket case of the owner that they have, I think it's too big of a job not for him to take the the leap and, and go into the Premier League, given the resources he'll have, the money he'll get, the fact that it's just down to London. It's not a big, you know, a huge move across the world again. But Alan, let's let's take this word by word. Um the the first sentence he says is, and yet I'm still here. So, I mean, that's that's promising. There's, there's nothing in there that I wouldn't have expected him to say. He's old enough and ugly enough to know the way of the world. And, you know, is, is equally as he could, some, some unbelievable job could be offered to him in the next week. And therefore, or if he makes false promises about being here for X number of years, he'll look stupid. In the same, by the same token, it being football, we could lose to Inverness in the cup final and he gets sacked. I mean, because this is what football's like. It's just stupid. So he's absolutely right to sort of steer a course through the middle of this. Secondly, if Spurs want to talk to them, why wouldn't he talk to them? I mean, of course you would. And if I was in his situation, I would. You'd have to see what they had to say. Talking to someone is a million miles away from you know agreeing a job and agreeing all the parameters of the job. That's a whole set of detail and differences. Um, as far as Tottenham are concerned, it's quite interesting. I get, you know, I get a lot of this. Oh, they're a basket case. You know, I think you. And to be fair, uh, James was very specific about the football operations aspect of Tottenham being a basket case. I've heard Kieran Maguire on his Price of Football podcast more than once saying that Tottenham Hotspur, from a financial management perspective, only from a financial management perspective, is the best run club in the Premier League. Okay, so that that is is equally but that's the that's part know, of the problem know. though that that is part of the problem because he's well Daniel Levy it, it, looks yeah. at it purely from a business and does not risk when it comes to football and that you need to risk if you're coming up against state run clubs yep. and, and we've we've 
Yeah, we've lived through that. We lived through that. We lived through the accountancy years with Peter Lowell. So we know how that goes. And if it, if that if that you know at Tottenham, if that extends in the same way as it did it did at Celtic of, of interference in transfer dealings, then obviously that is a problem. But in terms of running the club and the company, which I believe are the same thing, um, then you know they, they are arguably the best running club in, in in that league. So that that that's something to consider as, as as well. But obviously, like you say, you have to look at the what the football operations relationships would look like. That's that's going to be his primary response. Well, his primary his primary uh, his primary concern will be you know does his family want to do this? Does he want does his family want and him want to take this on? You know, got to, you've got to balance the, the job that he has in front of him at Celtic, the Champions League um, opportunities, the ability to shape a massive football club and leave a, a lasting legacy in Europe versus potentially becoming another, you know, nine months and you're out casualty of the madness that is the English English Premier League. So all these things he has to weigh up. And, and, and I don't think it will come down to, oh, it's the Premier League, it's Tottenham, therefore he's going to go. I don't think it will be as simple as that. I think there'll be a lot of... Um, very complicated uh, thoughts that go through his head just based on what he said in the past. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes, to be honest. But if he does go, then I think he's been he's been told that he, he that he will have things running the way that more or less he wants them. Because otherwise, I don't think he would he would go. Now, whether those promises or assurances turn out to be true or not would be a matter of of time. But um, yeah. It may well happen. It may well happen and because it's going to happen one day. Yeah. The, the other part of this is, I mean, and again, I, I obviously don't know, but I, my guess is that given his um, career trajectory, that the man's not wealthy. Like he might be okay. I mean, he's probably made a good living, but not, you know, premier league secure your family for the next three generations. Well, he's about to sell. We're working nine months. Mansion in Australia. Did not see that news. Well, right, but that's that. That's yeah, not easy. right. That's that's doing well, right? So that's what I'm saying. That that's not multi generational type of wealth. James's this is James's level of wealth. Uh, end of no, hours, no, right? heavens, <laughs> American <laughs> capitalism. Yeah, right, right. Uh, he's, but, he's got three mils, so what? You know what's that? Right, but that's change. you know again, it's not generational. That, a couple of mil. That's not generational. It's not. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and so, you know, for him to make, for him to sign a four year deal where he's going to make 20 million or something, um, which I, you know, and you probably know better than I do. I, to me, that's probably like premier league Tottenham kind of manager money, if not low, um, you know, you get, you get sacked in nine months and cash is 20 million you know that's that's i'm and and he's the kind of guy who's not going to think that i mean he's obviously going to bet on himself and and have the confidence um so this this goes back to that issue where i mean i think rogers with bonuses and everything else was up to a couple of million or maybe three at celtic um so you know it's just we can't compete with the kind of money that particularly a club like tottenham can throw at a manager and I'm not saying that that's the only thing. And, you know, to Alan's point about lifestyle and family and all that, all of these things are going to go into the calculation, but, um, you know, significant life changing money is certainly going to be part of that equation as well. Conte, I know Conte was Conte. He, you know, his reputation comes 
ahead of where Ange is at the minute, but he was paid uh, around 40 million by Tottenham for his time, uh, including 4 million severance. So, you know, if if he gets sacked by Tottenham, if Ange went to Tottenham, got sacked by Tottenham, he'd probably get more in his sacking payment than Celtic can pay him over the course of a four-year contract. So that's where we're at in, in terms of this. Um, yeah, some people there, was, there were reports and I think pictures of Desmond being in and meeting with Ange too. So again, smoke fire right so is is there a is there a uh move to try and get him to stay and maybe put in the kind of stuff that we did after um rogers first season or it was reported at the time um to dangle carrots all that kind of stuff who knows um but there does seem to be some you know pieces on the chessboard moving or at least i think it would be reasonable uh to speculate that there's there's um, some things going on. doesn't mean he's leaving, but there might be some motion. Yeah, and some people who are watching on YouTube might not have noticed that Alan has switched from the middle to the right box on our screen. That is because when we were setting up originally, his internet was wonky. So while you were doing that, Alan, while you were sw- sw- switching from the middle box to the right box, I asked this question of James. It's a, sort of, it's a stupid theoretical question, but I was just trying to think. If Ainge leaves, which, you know, it is a possibility, is he the first Celtic manager since Martin O'Neill to leave on good terms with the Celtic fans? Or leave with his reputation still as high? Because I feel like there's there's a lot of revisionism around Gordon Strachan. A lot of people don't tend to like or remember Gordon Strachan's reign very well. Um, but outside of that, you know, Rogers definitely didn't leave on good terms. Thyla resigned, so that sort of wins you some favour. But Neil Lennon definitely didn't leave on good terms. Uh, so I'm curious to get your thoughts. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I think Ronnie Dyla left on good terms as far as the fans were concerned. And um, perhaps there was recognition all around that I've, I've no doubt that the, the manoeuvrings for Rodgers were, were part of that decision being arrived at. You know, the fact that he was allowed to resign with, you know, rather than, you know, being kicked out, for example, uh, all of that suggests that, you know, an amicable arrangement was was arrived at for everybody. And I think the fans, I believe, you know, look at Ronnie quite, uh, quite, you know, with, with, with you know, you know, um, it's quite favourably, really. I think with Strachan, it was a really difficult situation, obviously. He'd won three in a row. He got into the Champions League, uh, out of the groups twice. Um, he'd had to completely reinvent the squad on on, on a much reduced uh, budget. He'd done all that, and then of course we had the tragedy of Tommy Burns, the drama of the the last day league title win at Dundee United a few days after that, and, and the emotion. And I think I'm I'm pretty much of the belief that, that Gordon Strachan would have left at the end of that season regardless, and he was. He, he he because of the whole emotion, the whole Tommy Burns factor, he he stayed that season too long. Um, now whether that meant that he left on bad terms, I'm I'm not so sure. I think Gordon Strachan will always have a degree of affection, and I think he should do. I think he did a remarkable, he did a remarkable management job. I know the football was rather prosaic at times, um, but he did a remarkable job to to turn around the club. Which you know, because Martin O'Neill's obviously had a great team, but he he was very poor at squad management, um, and Strachan had to kind of unpick a lot of 
the weaknesses in, in, in an aging, expensive team. So that's just my personal view on Strachan. Um, uh, others may feel differently. but And so, you know, I, I granted, obviously, with Rodgers, I don't think we'll see Ange um, walking out the door, uh, obviously, with a cup final to play. I think if anything happens, it will be stage managed to happen after the cup final. And uh, it will be with everyone's best wishes would be my guess if it comes to that. So, and I think everybody should, you know, appreciate that, you know, these, these this is just the reality of football. You know, as Kieran will tell us in the podcast, you know, Scotland's place in the world as far as football is concerned is not, is not as high as we'd all like it to be. And as much as Celtic is genuinely by any measure, one of the world's biggest, greatest football clubs, um, financially, we cannot compete with the likes of Tottenham Hotspur. And for, a, as James rightly says, Ange is an ambitious person. I mean, he he'd, he he said he'd made up his mind that he was going to leave uh, Yokohama, and that he, he for for him and his family, the goal was to 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 try and get make his name in Europe. Um, and Celtic have given him that opportunity. I don't think he'll walk away from that lightly. By the way, so this is a, this is an ambitious person, um, and so I'm sure and I'm sure he would want. And if it was down to him, and sometimes it isn't. Uh, he would want to leave on the best possible terms with the best possible timing. Um, but as I say, football's not like that and it doesn't always work out that way. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and there are, there are so many factors that go into this decision as well because like, on face value, yes, Tottenham in the Premier League, bigger budget, bigger players, more scope, larger going forward. But Celtic are in the Champions League next, next season. So in the same way that football is fickle in that Ange could stay at Celtic one more year, take them into Europe, bomb out of Europe completely and not get a big break at another club. And, you know, he doesn't necessarily need to leave Celtic, you know, but the, the reality is he, he's an ambitious person. He wants to test himself in different leagues at different levels, but he could stay one more year, bomb out of Europe. And then suddenly these offers, it's not a Spurs coming and knocking. It's, you know, a club Brugge or someone that's further down the, the pecking order. And he's, he's missed his, he's missed the boat. Now, alternatively to that, he could stay at Celtic, play in the Champions League, do really well in the Champions League. And there's another offer at another type Spurs type team where they're in better shape. He's got more uh, scope to, he's got more trust firstly from the board and then he goes in and he does a better job. So, I mean, it's, it's a really tough one. I don't know. It's the first time where I've been like, ah, yeah, I don't know if he can turn that one down because football is such a weird and like, you just have to look at some of the, the moves, some of the, that the, the managers have made in the past. It looked like United Manchester United missed the boat with Antonio Conte. He went to Spurs and then Antonio Conte turned out to be terrible. And Eric Ten Hag took the job and now he's doing a much better job. So, it's really hard to know what's going to happen with Ange here. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. What happens next, James, for Celtic? This, nothing's going to happen until the Scottish Cup's over. That, I think that's probably an absolute fact of all this. But what's, what's the first move for Celtic if he does go to Spurs? Because bear in mind, this is a point I meant to make there, Harry Kane is likely to leave Spurs uh, in the summer. So if Ange goes there, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm just putting it out there. Kyogo might be with him. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? What are you trying to do to me here? Um, Sorry to kill everybody's yeah uh, Friday evenings, you know? Yeah, I. You know what? Who knows? I mean, that, that's that's the. I, 
I, I think that we we've talked about this really since Ange's arrival is um, his departure and his inevitable departure at some point in the future would be the you know the next big test for the club as far as like where's the coherence in decision making and um, the operating model on the fo- footballing side. Um, you know, I've joked about Kevin Muscat. Uh, because he's he's had some relative success following Ange in Japan, playing the same way, and you know having the uh, Man City ties, that kind of thing. Um, that's partly tongue in cheek, but wouldn't shock me, other than of the, who the guy is. <laughs> um, meaning that if he, if he wasn't him, I would say, wow, that's an obvious kind of uh, move. But yeah, I mean, I, I uh, John Kennedy. Um, you know, there, there's um, Neil Lennon was photographed in Glasgow yesterday, just saying, Oh, God, <laughs> um, the city, yeah, yeah, but 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 that's you know, that's the un, that's the doubt now because because they were so let, let's let's not forget that it seemed like there was a serious deliberation between Eddie Howe, Keane. And Ange Postacoglu at some point in the spring of 2021, and there is no in no universe is that a coherent managerial <laughs> hiring process. Um, and I, you know, I commented about that at the time when there was various reports and rumors out. So, you know, I, I so I, I still, you know, leadership has changed, but still a lot of the same people in the room. Um, yeah, so I, that that'll be a big test. I, I obviously um, wish for the best, but uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not holding my breath on um, whatever the transition being, you know, so, something because again, Ange is kind of a a cult of personality type of person. You know, it, it, it's a a, a a force of nature in some ways, um, and and I just think it's unrealistic to expect that kind of um, situation. And I don't think that we have the infrastructure in place like Yoka, uh, Yokohama does, or, or uh, sorry, uh, is it Yokohama? No, not Yokohama. Is it Yokohama? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. In, J- in Japan with the Man City kind of infrastructure. Not yet. I mean, maybe that's going on behind the scenes still. And, you know, but we've talked about that as far as culture and institutional DNA and how long it takes to build that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a big question mark. Let's hope it doesn't get answered this, this summer. Yeah, I don't, I, we, I, I think everyone can just relax for the next week or so. Cause I don't think anything, anything's going to happen in the next week until after the, the Scottish cup, um, immediate future, Alan Aberdeen up next in the league, a game that, I mean, it's, it's a completely meaningless game really, but it, we, we might as well. Take a quick look at it. I will say this, actually. There was a commenter last week, James. Um, I found it quite funny when I said that there are no meaningless games. And, of course, they pointed to preseason games that are literally meaningless. And I'm just like, yeah, but I'm, t- I'm talking about competitive games here. Uh, uh, this isn't, it isn't quite a meaningless game. Aberdeen have secured European football already. So, in a way, this is a meaningless game for both clubs. Well, 
I would disagree with you because, you know, I collect about the same amount of data for a meaningless game as, as a meaningful game, right? And there's, there's all these performances to look at, right? So you learn something. I, I, I watch preseason games with great interest, not because I'm going to judge absolutely players, but you look at them from the perspective of what's the manager trying to do, what tweaks has, have they been applied, you know, what players are playing, what position, et cetera, et cetera, how, how is their form looking, and so on and so forth, a chance to look at new players. So I, I do find them very meaningful <laughs> all games meaningful um so tomorrow is meaningful uh, so, uh, tomorrow's meaningful for celtic um aberdeen have now got themselves into third place fantastic by barry robson to to salvage that situation they've got i think guaranteed europa league uh, group football which is amazing um but and therefore they've achieved their players are in the same position celtic players were in at hips of having achieved their goal for the season and they've got really nothing left to play for Celtic, on the other hand, have got you know, a cup final to prepare for and starting 11 places to secure. So I'm expecting a, you know, I'm expecting uh, one of those games that we've seen quite a few of, as well as we see Celtic drop off often once the title is secured. We often see a trophy day annihilation of a team. And I think tomorrow could be that simply because Aberdeen really are pretty much on their on their holidays now. Uh, we're, we're most definitely not. So I'm expecting a good performance and uh, probably quite a few goals, actually, from the game. I think there's a lot to play for. Jim, do you have anything to say on the game? I I agree with Alan. That's, that would be the base case, and I, I think it would be notable if that's not the case, meaning that, um, you know, as, as we... Because, again, we can't know these things, but as we kind of dial in the... Uh, the scatter plot between the the issues that we've talked about as far as maybe fatigue and concentration relative to maybe toxic combinations and all these other things and and recruitment that if we don't play reasonably well tomorrow, given the context of the game, as Alan laid out, maybe it swings things a little bit more towards, well, on a relative basis, more to worry about on those other issues as opposed to... um, you know, not being up for games that aren't, you know, technically really mattering that much. Um, so yeah, I, I think there'll, there'll be some things to learn. And you know, Ab- Aberdeen are an interesting side. I mean, they've got some attacking weapons. I don't know. If, I don't know if the Duke of Death is uh, fit. I, I think it's just seen he maybe he picks something up. But you know, they got guys like him, Miofsky, who can actually create some headaches. And but they're. De- defensively they've been a little suspect at times um but they have a decent keeper shot stopping so you know it's it's a it's an interesting test um so yeah i, I think that it, it'll be i think it'll be informative whether because we should have absolutely nothing to worry about going into the cup final uh tomorrow might give us an idea of oh, well maybe we should have a five percent anxiety going into the, the cup final still nothing to really be that worried about but you know in a theoretical world um you know, to get ourselves worked up over nothing. Maybe maybe that'll start tomorrow. Mm. Just check the weather there. It's been sunny all, all week in Ireland, and it was sunny in Glasgow as well, and it's sunny on Sunday and Monday as well, but tomorrow is going to be cloudy. And I it's that's disappointing for me because Trophy Day is usually a lovely day in Glasgow. It's usually the sun's out, tops off, and everyone's enjoying themselves, but it looks like we're going to get... Uh, gray and gloomy in Glasgow for for Trophy Day tomorrow, but it'll be enjoyable nonetheless if Celtic do, and and I think they will. I think they'll put on a show. The as Alan says, they usually do. So um, hopeful for that, and hopeful that 
we still have a manager by the end of next week. I think that that's sort of uh, my takeaway from this uh, podcast. That's where we'll wrap up this week's show. Keep an eye out for our Kieran Maguire chat that will be coming out probably after the cup final. It's probably a good time to put it out. Um, and then we also may or may not have a, a manager reaction if Ange does leave after the cup final. So keep an eye out for that as well. Until then, we will chat to you next week. Good luck. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> it's all about the game, and how you play it. All about your truth, and if you can take it. All about your death, and if you can play it. It's all about pain. And who's gonna make it? I am the game, you don't wanna play me I am control, no way you can shake me I am heavy debt, no way you can pay me I am the pain, and I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder, ready to run Like a Cleveland bitch from a smoking gun I am the game, and I made the rules So move on out, you can die like a fool Try to figure out what my mood's gonna be Come on over, son, oh, why don't you ask me don't you forget there's a price you can pay Cause I am the game and I want to play You're gonna be the same, you're gonna change your name, you're gonna die in flames.